Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Coach Mark Nolan, and back with another episode of Don't Outkick Your Coverage.com. Today, we'll be looking at one of my more serious aspects in the role of getting recruited for college level sports from both the high school student athlete and, yes, the parents. But today's sponsor is Utility Supply Incorporated, the leader in gas and water products out of Winder, Georgia. You can reach out to them at 770-868-0516 or at www.utiliesupply.com and speak with our friend, Mr. Don Denny. That's again, 770-868-0516. Now, as it relates to recruiting, this is one of the topics that parents, high school kinds counselors, and ADs have asked me over the years to address and why I even spent one of the larger chapters in my recent book on this and why we developed a very specific game plan from our consulting organization to assist those who are in need. Look, the world of college level recruiting is not for the faint of heart and certainly not for the high school athlete to do on their own and certainly not for the parents. And yes, I say this as having helped thousands of student athletes and their parents in my 47 years of coaching. And sadly, most coaches, especially ones who only offer their advice in one sport, are just not equipped to know many of the nuances in the recruiting world that exists today. And yes, I am talking about the new ways colleges are recruiting or not recruiting with the transfer portal, NIL, and the new backroom data nerds looking at the transfer portals first, especially in position players, and then maybe, just maybe, seeking out the Twitter world or recruiting sites promoting their four- and five-star recruits, similar to the four- and five-star hotel and restaurants along the way. But before we jump into this, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving and hope that all of you can spend this time with the members of your own families. To our brave men and women serving overseas, we certainly are thinking of you as you continue to sacrifice and serve for our great country. And to those of you who are still in region playoffs in your fall sports, I want to wish you well. And lastly, those of you who are getting ready for your next spring season sport or simply training for the next level, stay safe. To the parents and grandparents and, yes, coaches out there listening, this podcast is dedicated to you for all those years out in the sun, the rain, and the cold, and the heat, encouraging all of your children in getting to where they are today. I know my own journey in coaching the past 47 years and in all the part-time roles I spent literally tens of thousands of hours, and yes, I did figure this came out to 69,860 hours in the five sports of football, baseball, basketball, soccer, and track I coached in. And that doesn't even take into consideration my coach's licenses and refing and umpiring. So again, thanks for listening. And now let's jump into our new podcast on the roles the student athlete and parents should play in helping to obtain the college athletic scholarships. To set this stage, my recruiting as an athlete about 100 years ago was quite simple. 
do well in your high school sport, have some raw grainy films, decent grades and a good SAT score and college coaches would generally try to see if you were a fit. The biggest part of that fit was generally on the home visits by the coaching staff. If you're lucky to have two coaches show up and if they had time to break bread with you and your parents, because they really wanted to see what the family situation was like. And more importantly, if the parents were a bit over the top as my own father was, but I won't speak ill of him since both he and my mother have, have passed away. When the coach was officially going to offer you, there was no fanfare and you were told that a letter would be on its way soon, but to keep your nose clean. I was fortunate to have several offers come in the mail. And when mine finally came in from the university of Notre Dame, all my mother did was put the envelope on the kitchen table and left it for me to read once I got home from my job at the pizzeria later on that evening. I opened it up the next morning before school, looked at it, signed the two of them, and got two eight-cent stamps from my mother's desk drawer and remembering to place two dimes in the drawer for her since money back then was very tight. I kept the third one for myself and headed off to school. No ESPN, no running out to Dick's Sporting Goods Store to get a hat and a hoodie or social media sites, and clearly no fanfare. And you know why? Because the generation our parents had when we're brought up with were very poor from the Depression, for the most part, and were World War II folks who fought and served or who stayed behind and did the dirty work every day while our country was at war who then tried to come back to some type of normalcy from the internal and external scars of war and poverty they had come to know. I remember my mom telling us stories of the poor people who had come to the back of my grandparents' house in Philadelphia. And the main reason why they had a little bit of money was because my grandfather owned the car mechanics garage who spent about 16 to 18 hours a day there, seven days a week so that his trade kept his family somewhat steady. But many, like my own father's side, didn't fare that well. He lost his mother at a young age, and at the age of 16 was recruited, really drafted, and joined the Marines, heading overseas while his own father could not stay away from the bars. So why am I wanting to tie the word recruiting into what I just said? Because the French word recruiter R-E-C-R-U-T-E-R is the 17th century word of the sense of to enlist new soldiers or to gain new supplies. And this is at the heart of all recruiting and especially the age of college scholarships. Ever wonder why college coaches are called great recruiters who make tens of millions of dollars in the sports they coach in? It's rather simple. They know their audience and know how to deal with high school parents and high school athletes. But to appreciate this, one can go just back a few short years when technology talent was being recruited for throughout the United States. Back in 1995, I had written my first book called The Top 10 Money-Making Survival Tips 
for information technology consultants, where I had laid out the way for technology consultants to not get screwed by IT recruiters who were lying to them on the pay scales for a job, the skills of a job, the position and length of a job, etc. I became a bit of a national IT geekhead hero to many because I was laying out the hidden secrets I had known about when I was in the IT consulting space, having held several large IT organizations throughout the years. For those who have listened to me in the past, you'll know I have a deep desire to provide the best and most accurate information I can on what I know about and then educate people the best way I can and without a lot of BS. With the success of my book came people on the technology side who loved me because I was exposing some of the not too well-known dirty little secrets around the IT staffing and consulting profit margins and some from the IT staffing and consulting companies who said, how dare I? But then enjoyed bringing me in to be the keynote speaker and to help them out with their sales and recruiting organization. And yes, the staffing agencies and recruiters did not like I was letting some of the secrets out. I only point this out because as Gordon Gecko said in the movie, Wall Street, the most valuable commodity I know of is information. And that is why I try to do in everything when it comes to recruited high school athletes and their parents, I want to help them out. The information here comes from my 47 years of looking how the war for high school talented student athletes especially with all the recent NCAA changes being made and many of the parents I interview with and visit simply have no idea what was coming at them. Further, the high school athlete many times lacks the researching capabilities and just turns to Twitter and Snapchat, TikTok, and a few huddle highlight reels or spends tens of thousands of dollars getting ranked with that five-star and still does not pick up any scholarships. And on the flip side, college GAs, graduate assistants and coaches are asking to hit them up and send them highlights of all the ballers out there. And then nothing comes from it or rarely. And yes, while there are some great reasons why and why not, the fact remains that as I stated out in my overview on recruiting and the old commercial the car commercial of this is not your father's Oldsmobile from the 1980s commercial. College recruiting today is not your father's Oldsmobile and not how we were recruited back in the day. So please don't try and say it's the same. Just look at the new data analytics team scouring the transfer portal war for athletic talent, where many a P5 school or conference has 20-something war room style GAs acting like recent second lieutenants going over the maps and terrains and reporting to their company commander on the best way to secure the hill. Or in this case, seal or steal the deal on a recruit or flip a 17 year old from big state to big U and causing instant emotional responses from strangers on social media. They will probably never meet, but what the heck? They need those RTs and legs to help that NIL endorsement deal coming any day now, right? Well, speaking of data, here's a news flash for you. 
from this season's early signing day, all athletes outside of D1 football and men's and women's D1 basketball players started signing scholarships on November 9th, 2022, and can and will continue to sign anytime through August 1st, 2023. So to all those parents and high school student athletes, that's a total of 265 days or eight months and 23 days. So please chill out. But for many of you, you won't. And again, I am trying to educate folks on why it's important to not focus on that first day of what others are doing at your school or in your sport. And lastly, your position. <clears throat> to get a sense of where we were, we really need to take a look at some of the pre-pandemic things and now post-pandemic things. The college recruiting angle has been fairly set in stone in just about every major sport where the elites, the travel ball, whatevers, and the super dupers were getting more of the scholarships and the PWO five stars, the preferred walk-ons, and the 4.5 stars. Sorry, mom and dad, you should have taken Johnny to just a few more of the camps to get that fifth star and drop a few thousand dollars more. But the marketplace was heating up where a parent and athlete now missing out on the signing day in front of their adoring fans and social media pictures were wondering how long and when will Johnny and Janie's PWO soon become a full ride. <clears throat> and then the pandemic happened and literally everything halted to an immediate stoppage. No more games, no more fans cheering in the stands, no more tailgates, no more picks on social media with junior day invites or college coaches calling, texting DMS and, and even camp invites. The world as we knew it for the 2018, 2019, and beyond high school athlete and their parent put them in a state of future shock. And for those high school seniors looking to see where they were going to try to play, the NCAA simply told them, you are just out of luck, while making sure that in the next breath they gave the sixth year eligibility to those college seniors who missed out on their last year. And some even took more advantage by getting another COVID year of medical redshirt. And again, nothing offered to the high school senior. The NCAA, in what I think was one of the more cruelest things they have done in their history of the NCAA dating back to 1906, was the invention back in 2018 of the transfer portal which further hurt the high school student athletes. And I'll discuss this in my next podcast. But then again, the NCAA bows to the NCAA members and the monies they bring in over the National Federation of High Schools and these current student athletes. So then what do we do about this issue moving forward? Here is where the engagement between athlete and the parent needs to become more paramount if they are going to become successful. But quickly, I wanted to read one parent's overview of how I helped them out, and more important, what lessons they learned from this. This is from my friend Tim Keppel, who wrote the forward in my book. He says, as a father of a D1 kicking specialist, I credit Coach Nolan's advice in navigating me through the anxious journey and treacherous waters of my young son's growing skills to the next level of competition. 
As with so many other anxious parents, I saw our son being held up as one of the best kickers in the country and attended most of the major kicking camps along the way, reading all his ranking updates. After each of these road trips, there were some tips Mark gave me, and many of them I am truly grateful for. And although his forthright counsel sometimes may not have been what we wanted to hear, his assessment of our situation was always honest. He knows what goes on behind the scenes with the college coaches, of which I was simply unaware. And then the pandemic hit. The government shut us all down, and all of us were unable to train at any of the fields I had used for over the past 35 years here locally. And yes, while I'm thankful this little business for the past 47 years had been doing well, we were like many others struggling to tell athletes what was coming up upon them shortly and which was going to have a huge effect on them. When it was finally safe to go back out and train, the NCAA came up with their sixth year of eligibility rules for graduating seniors in college and gave them all another year of playing time, as I said before. This directly impacted all those current seniors who were looking to play either in college on that full ride they had been offered and now being told by the coaches that, sorry, Johnny, the college senior who should have graduated has now decided to use his sixth year of eligibility and now we no longer have that scholarship and roster spot for you. But again, good luck to you in the future. Now, being devastated after training as hard as they had been for all these years, in just a few short months, the NCAA gave them yet another blow to their chances. This time it was the NCAA transfer portal in 2018, allowing the one-time transfer rule without any ramifications. And again, the high school athlete and their parents were squarely targeted since now, instead of a college coach looking for the high school talent to find or replace the current star athlete who was leaving, the college coach and their staff could just go into the transfer portal and look at every player who enters, who may have been a former five-star athlete at Big U and now might want to transfer to Big State and once again taking yet another high school scholarship away. But as I said in my book, the NCAA is big business to the tune of just over a billion dollars in revenue a year. So to them, it's not so much the National Federation of High Schools they care about, or even the high school athletes. It's all about the NCAA member schools and who they are wanting to keep happy. And then lastly, Another blow to the high school athlete came in July of 2021 with the NIL deals where a top elite player could now potentially sign NIL deals worth millions of dollars, but they are rare. And by the way, I coined the phrase NIL, meaning now it's legal. As I mentioned in my last podcast, I do a phased in four part approach of families. And sometimes it's at a local restaurant where we sit down and discuss where we are, grades, ACT, SAT schools, school visits, and who they're following and getting interest from, as well as looking for the field of study the student athlete is looking at. And then to make sure the parents have a game plan. I call this the FPSA plan. Yep, family, parent, 
student athlete plan. This includes the FAFSA application being done every October and seeing what other scholarships they may be looking at, academic or private organizations. And for those who are not local, we have Zoom calls to see where they are. And most important, making sure they have obtained their NCAA National Clearinghouse 10-digit number. Look, each year is unique in this area. But where the fourth-year student-athlete, and yes, the parents will need to understand, is that this is the year we tune into that radio station, WTRMTR, yep, where the recruited meets the recruiter. The biggest issue for the parents is that many don't see how difficult this new roadway is. And especially if they were a recruited athlete at one time themselves, with this recruitment cycle being so fast and dynamic these days, they really do need to look outside of themselves and seek the help, especially if someone who has been there has done that, is involved in it nowadays. And I can tell you, for those who were not recruited back in the day, it is even more daunting. To me, I know what my strengths and weaknesses are. And for instance, if I wanted to put a new toilet in, I certainly am not going to run out to Home Depot and ask Big Bill in plumbing how to install one. I literally have no desire to look at the DIY YouTube channel. And besides, my weekends are spent training the kids I work with. So I'll just hire someone. And it's just like finding the local person to tutor a child in the ACT, SAT, or other high school classes they may need help in. And again, if your child is not pulling in the grades, then a serious conversation must happen as soon as possible. For the life of me, I just don't see why a parent would not want to seek out help in the largest investment they are making with their children in trying to get that athletic scholarship for college. Having already spent thousands of dollars in private coaches, equipment, traveling all over the place, or unless you're like those Hollywood folks and hedge fund managers who a few short years ago spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get their kids into colleges on fake athletic scholarships whose kids never even played the sport. And yes, I am referring to the movie Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal. It really was a stain and an indictment on the college recruiting services industry and an embarrassment to their children and even college coaches and counselors who got caught up in this. So as I have preached and preached and preached, in the end, it really comes down to doing the research. Again, like listening to podcasts such as this one or reading a book and speaking with others who've been there before you, and yes, the guidance counselors at your school. For instance, one simple way I spoke about in my book is the eye chart test. I worked with a head coach for years at, who was at three different colleges who was looking for specialists, told me he would not take any specialist under six foot one and didn't weigh at least 118, 185 pounds going into his senior year. And here is something every parent and high school athlete in every sport can simply do with a prospective college they're looking at. Go to the sports page of the college and the sport you are playing and search out the current roster of that sport and then position. 
and then actually look up the players on the team and where they are from geographically and their current weight and size to actually size them up compared to you. For instance, if you're a five foot eight quarterback RPO who wants to attend Iowa and they are not an RPO school, you probably are not going to be a fit compared to a school that does do an RPO, like maybe the Naval Academy or Army. You'll also be able to glean from the school the current stats of that position player and any other issues or ranking camps they have attended, if any, and also how many years they have remaining and also what the current depth chart looks like. Or for instance, if you're looking for a women's rowing scholarship, you know, the, the 2K ERG times are the top issue that many college coaches look at and are seeing on the, what the dependable gauge of the athletics ability is and upside so that they can easily compare to other recruits and current athletes on the roster when they're looking at these schools. Certainly being taller helps out as well, especially in the eights. The point being, if you are a high school upperclassman, then you should have a clear idea of the sport you are playing, the types of schools you are seeking, and the athletic and academic traits schools are looking for you to have. And here's a quick story. I had an athlete that wanted to get into the Air Force Academy who I knew did not have the academics to get in. And I was letting them know that a 16 on an ACT not only is a bit tough to overcome, but knowing that a 28 or 29 gives them a better shot. Even though his mother was insistent that if he just takes it a bunch of more times, he could get there. After I tried to convince them, it was not going to be fully a fully easier road to do. And having just had three kids in prior classes graduate there, I said I would set up a time for him to speak with one of the cadets there. In the end, when I gave them some of the stats of the previous year's incoming cadets, then and only then did they finally realize they were wasting time trying to get in. And then we refocused our efforts. As I said, the FPSA plan is one that I developed to assist in not just the athletic side, but the financial side. The parents will have to see, especially if there are other younger children in the family, what they can afford each year and down to each month. And that, of course, is centered around not just FAFSA because that is only one way. Other considerations are around high ACT, SAT test scores or GPAs where if you are looking at an out-of-state, what we call OOS, some schools will match in-state tuition for an athlete compared to others. But you must ask these questions and in advance. And please, don't ask the coach these questions, but the college's financial aid or admissions center folks, and do your best to get it in writing if you can, especially in these times of coaches jumping from one program to another. Another consideration in this process is to seek out the PWO status since many times if a current scholarship is not available. As I mentioned in my book, the NCAA does not track PWOs turned into scholarships. And I always find that amazing because they seem to be able to track everything else. But I can tell you from my years of athletes who have gone down the PWO route, 
the parents were never concerned about the money as much as it was the opportunity. Some had invested in a 529 plan, you know, which is, as you know, a tax advantage savings account designed to be used for the beneficiary's education expenses. You can use the money in your 529 for a range of educational uh, expenses, including college expenses and even student loan repayments. And this does help out. The key, once again, is planning. And yes, this does include the cost of little Jimmy and Janie's years of travel ball, rankings camps, and the huge investments over maybe not doing those extra camps and setting aside some money in the 529 plan. But as I have stated on several occasions throughout this podcast and in my interactions with parents early on, all of you need to buy into a process. And if you don't, the college process will be expensive. Being in debt like so many millions of Americans will overtake you and your child. And which many times is a determining factor whether or not you can stay in the athletic program. For instance, about one third of nearly 500,000 kids opt out playing their college sport just after their freshman year, or nearly $165,000 athletes, 65,000 athletes who just one year prior were all excited to play at the next level. This is where the college costs add up even more both emotionally and physically. And again, for those parents who never played in college, the student workload is about 39 hours a week. And depending on the sport, meetings and the practices, the travel and games can be as much as 33 hours a week with football being the highest at 43 hours a week. And as it relates to the financial costs of in-state public education can cost around $25,000, while a private one can be, a, can be over $47,000 a year. And yes, there are tons of grants and scholarships to help offset these. Heck, even our own son, who was on a full ride and yes, even getting a stipend, decided to be a dog sitter on some weekends after his football season and made some nice cash, especially in the area he was at. Now, do 17 or 18 year old kids worry about their college financial future and sports? They sure do. And here's another story. Last week I was, I asked a young man who I did not train, but was a baseball player. If he was excited to be playing his last senior year and graduating and headed on to college, he simply said, no. When I asked why he said, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for all this debt. So I'm guessing mom and dad, they don't know either. Lastly, as I started this podcast out, the recruiting side is a difficult journey and one that can be summed up with the quote I have in Alice in Wonderland. And it goes like this. You know, Alice, in, Alice basically walks up to the Cheshire Rabbit and there's two roads that they can go down. And here's what Alice says. And this is the student athlete side. Alice, who's a student athlete and the parent. Would you please tell me, sir, which way I ought to go from here, the Cheshire cat, meaning me, saying this every year to the, to the students, that depends a great deal on where you want to get to. Alice, those in their senior year who had no scholarship offers 
after spending tons on cams, etc. I don't care much where I go now, the Cheshire Cat, meaning, meaning lack of a true focus and yes, understanding, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Alice, so long as I get somewhere, the Cheshire Cabot. Oh, you're sure to do that if you only walk long enough. And that comes from Lewis Carroll's The Alice Wonderland. So as I said before, I want to finally hope everyone has a great and safe Thanksgiving. And to those still moving forward for your state championships, good luck. Have a great week. And please don't forget to like our podcast on your favorite platform. And until next time, remember to please don't outkick your coverage. This is Coach Mark Nolan signing off.